Greetings, fellow Earthlings. This is Dave Smith, your host of And Another Thing with Dave. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the stolen election. And it may not be what you think. <clears throat> I, uh, I'll be playing clips from an interview with Greg Pallast from the Rob Call Bottom Up Show on YouTube. Greg Pallast is an investigative journalist and author. He uncovered the uh, stolen Bush election back in 2000, and he's at it again, and he has found a bunch of crazy information on the election. So stay tuned for that. And then I've also got some clips from Redacted Tonight about the CIA's failed coups. Uh, four of the CIA's failed, you know, four of the CIA's past coups have now been... Um, reversed or failed and the people have seized power back, which is a fantastic thing. Um, Tony Schultz and I will be discussing these issues and more, the stolen election, CIA coups, uh, and much, much more. So please enjoy the episode. And if you do dig what we're doing, please do share with friends and subscribe. Thank you very much. Here is a clip from the Rob Call bottom-up show on YouTube, and his guest is uh, investigative journalist Greg Pallast discussing how uh, discussing Greg Pallast's book how St how Trump stole 2020, but specifically addressing um, what I was talking about with Tony about how. It doesn't make sense, right? The Republicans are contesting the presidential election results, but the uh, Republicans overwhelmingly took the congressional elections. The, like, overwhelmingly. So it looks like there's some issues there. And Greg Pallast goes into detail on that right here, and he's going to talk about it. So let's listen here. My guest for the show is Greg Pallas. He's the investigative reporter for The Guardian, BBC Television, Democracy Now! and Rolling Stone, who broke the story of how George Bush stole Florida in 2000 by purging thousands of innocent black voters. He's the author of four New York Times bestsellers, including The Best Democracy Money Can Buy and Billionaires and Ballot Bandits. He's also studied economics under Milton Friedman. His newest book is How Trump Stole 2020. So... We're a couple of days outside after the election. What's your take on what happened? How did your predictions pan out? And what are your analysis of how Trump stole 2020 and how the Republicans did it, too? Because that's really what your book also talks about. Well, of course, how Trump stole 2020 is not a prediction. I don't have a crystal ball, but I, it's a warning about what happens if we don't steal it back. Because the main trick that these guys used was cleansing the ethnic cleansing of the voter rolls in Georgia, Wisconsin, Michigan, North Carolina. That's the story of this election and our exposure. Uh, you know, I won't take you know, all the credit here or even pieces. Uh, when I exposed this, I issued a report for the ACLU in, of Georgia saying that 198,351 voters had been illegally removed from the voter rolls, including Martin Luther King's 92-year-old cousin, 50 years voting in the same voting station. By the way, I just got word, our campaign has had a hell of an effect. It's not just with the ACLU, but with uh, the, the group getting out there and reaching out to these voters who were illegally removed in Georgia. Black voters matter. Natasha Brown, Cliff Albright, they took my list we, when we found all these illegal voters and they sent out 98,000 big colorful postcards. You've been removed from the voter rolls, re-register. The Southern Poverty Law Center made thousands of phone calls to get people back on the voter rolls. Like I say, there's still a, a chance that, that Trump can convince legislatures not to certify the vote. Remember, under Article 2 of the Constitution, I want people, if you want more information on this, at gregpalace.com, there's a, uh, a four-minute explanation of how three ways that Trump could still win the presidency with me and Tom Hartman. And one of them is what exactly what 
what Trump is doing, when he said he would try what's called an Article II gambit. Now, Article II of the Constitution says that the state legislatures pick your electors. Now, I bet you thought, we all know we don't actually vote for president. We vote for electors. No, you don't even vote for electors, you poor schmucks. You vote. Your vote is purely advisory. America does not have a democracy. We give advice to each state legislature, and the legislatures then determine which electors go to uh, go to the electoral college. But they could well say that there's too much fraud, too much confusion, and so we're not going to certify anyone. Now, understand, Trump won't get 270 votes in the electoral college that way, but neither will Biden. In which case it goes to the House, and there's at least 26 delegations that are Republican-controlled. It's one state, one vote, and they win. So all they have to do is convince one le- one state legislature, maybe they might have to convince two, to say, oh, there's all this mail-in fraud, there's too much confusion, we, can't count- we don't know about these ballots. So, uh, crazy kind of week uh, with things that have been going on insane what's uh what's on your brain this week trump's assault on democracy um still will not concede this election dave and now that we are supposed to be making this transition of power to a biden administration and we're dealing with a once in a hundred year pandemic and um this could be a matter matter of national security in addition to the pandemic, because as we're making this transition, is there a weak spot that our enemies, you know, could take advantage of? I've been hearing some chatter about that. I would certainly like to hear much more detail, but just the fact of that our president, Dave, cannot seem to admit that he lost the election and is so many of his supporters are now buying into this. And, um, well, we're going to have to wait and see when those electors do, do their job, Dave. Are they actually going to do what's right and uphold the will of the people, you know, the people that voted for Joe Biden? And and uh, what, um, I think the Joe Biden is now, what, seven, almost seven million votes ahead of Donald Trump as we wind down the voting. And apparently to a lot of these Republicans, Dave, um, Democracy doesn't matter that much. What really matters is that Trump stays in power. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, crazy times. I mean, the firing of uh, Christopher, was it uh, Christopher Krebs, Dave? Department of Homeland Security. Um, he's the guy that, that, you know, the cyber technology, the head of the cyber technology and uh, trying to make sure that our elections are not uh, messed with by foreign governments as as what happened in the past. Apparently, these really went off nearly without a hitch. And he reported that, uh, you know, guys, as we're looking into this, there's just no credible um, information or evidence to support these fraud claims. And Trump didn't like what he, hear, what he heard, and he fired him. Does that sound familiar? It does. Comey said something I don't like. He's fired. Now, (laughs) if you have a problem with a certain official, Dave, and the president has a right to have the people that he wants, but when you see this kind of pattern over and over again, Dave, um, as so many in the the national security top uh, echelon, these folks are getting fired as well. Don't you have to at some point say maybe it's Trump? Maybe he's the problem here? And it's like everybody else is always lying. He's telling the truth. And at, at some point, I, I I think we just have to recognize a pattern. And it's if you say something he doesn't like, if what you're doing or what you're reporting doesn't follow his game plan, you're out. Right. Right. Um, well, you know what? You know what gets me, Tony, is how can you have it both ways? How can it be a landslide for the Republicans in the Congress, but when it comes to the presidential race, oh, there's, you know, there's fraud in the election. 
right. Yeah, if the Democrats were really that good at cheating, wouldn't they have already taken the majority in the Senate and wouldn't they have picked up ho- uh, seats in the House instead of losing, what, a half a dozen or more seats in the, yeah. in the House? I mean, they held on to the majority, which is, which is good for the Democrats, but it certainly wasn't that blue wave that they thought and exactly what you're saying, <clears throat> what you're saying, Dave, is like, huh, how come this only apply, you know, applies to the presidential race and not to the down ballot races? Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It really doesn't strengthen Trump's argument that the election was stolen from him. Right. Let's let's count all those. Uh, let's count all those ballots as well. Right. Absolutely. No Funny how in the states. Go ahead. I was just going to say, no hurry. We got till January 20th. (laughs) Yeah. But my problem, though, Dave, is the Trump administration is supposed to be assisting in this um, transfer of power. And that is, like I said, for national security reasons. And how about a little integrity for our democracy, Dave? How about a little, you know, good sportsmanship, maybe? You know, a little class. How about that? Yeah, well, maybe not. That would be a first for him. (laughs) Yeah. And say what you want about Hillary Clinton, but Hillary Clinton did call Donald Trump the night uh, of the election when she had clearly lost, and she congratulated him. And then the next day, Dave, she formally um, conceded. And, you know, made her speech and said that we've got to get behind Donald Trump and we're all going to hope that he is, you know, going to have a successful presidency. And that doesn't mean you go along with everything he wants to do. There's still the opposition. But it, they clearly acknowledge that he is one. And then sometime after that, Obama had him into the White House and the Obama team was OK. Let's turn the reins over these guys. This is how, you know, this is the information that we have, just like you're supposed to do that. And the Trump administration is refusing to do that now with Joe Biden. So I don't want to hear these Republicans tell us that the, the oh, you know, the whataboutism, Dave, right? Or the, the oh, they did it too. I don't want to hear this kind of stuff anymore because it's simply not true. No, there's no basis for it. And that's just deflecting away from, you know, two evils don't make a right, two wrongs don't make a right. You know, and that's, yeah, well, what about Obama did? Well, I'm not a big Obama fan. What about what we're talking about? <laughs> you know? Yeah. What, what, what about the here and now? What's yeah. best for the country here and now? And besides yeah. that, if you're talking about Obama did this, so now it's okay for Trump, but some of those people, Dave, they hate Obama. So why are you okay with Trump doing it now if you hated that Obama did it before? It's the, right. if it's the same if it's the same kind of behavior, doesn't it still piss you off, or does it just piss you off when the other guy did it? Exactly. And well, and then and if somebody says that kind of bullshit, then you know they're just a party loyalist. You know. Yeah. A Trump pansy, as you might say, David. A yeah, Trump that's, chump. That's one of my favorite ones. The Trump pansies. Unreal. Yeah. And you know, Dave, let's have a little sympathy for Joe Biden. I, you know, because people make fun of him because he's so old, Dave, and maybe he's losing half a step. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to absolutely say that he is because I hear him talk and he actually sounds okay. But there are some times, Dave, when he'll stutter or miss a word. And it's never because you just stuttered or miss a word when you're in your late seventies. Right, Dave? It's like the, it's like the athlete. It's like the aging athlete, Dave. If they make a mistake or something happens, it's, it's not just because they made a mistake. It's because they're old, right? You kind of always tag them with that. And that's the kind of same thing with Joe Biden, because, I wonder to myself, Joe, do you really want this job? Are you sure you want to do this right now? You're inheriting one of the worst situations, Dave. 
I mean, let's let's go back in history and take a look at this, Dave. Clearly, this is a worse situation than Obama inherited with the Great Recession, right? Clearly, it's yep. worse than that because, you, you, in addition, of course, to the economic struggles, you have the pandemic, which you know, that's what brought about the economic struggles. Then you go back to say the Vietnam era, and you inherited the situation, say that Richard Nixon inherited with a mess in Vietnam. Okay, so that was a fairly tough situation, but you didn't have the economic collapse. You know, at least the, uh, the even the oil embargo was several years uh, away. You really have to go back, Dave. I'd say it, to uh, FDR taking over during the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, is bad. Yeah, you know, when when the situation was really really brutal. So I. I mean, why would he even want the job? That's that's a great question. Why wouldn't he be retiring? And then that brings up another great point. When the average age in America right now is like 22, 23 years old, something like that, why do we have these politicians? Like, Fine Swine is like, what, 80-something? And Pelosi is 79. Trump or is in his 70s. Biden is in his 70s. Bernie is in his late seventies. <laughs> what the fuck? Those people should have retired long ago at sixty-five and gotten the fuck out of the way for somebody else. You know, I don't want to uh, be with you know just on board with with age discrimination, Dave. I I think that even in your later years, you can still you know um, be mentally alert and and physically healthy. I think you can too, but you've already served your country. You've already done your job. Now get out of the way for somebody who's younger, sharper, more spry, can put in more hours, can be more effective, is more attuned to what's going on with the current generation. We don't want these. Why would you want a dinosaur in office? And why would you ever give somebody a lifetime appointment? That's how you end up with somebody still alive in the Supreme Court that was born when slavery was happening. <laughs> like, like what's his fuck? Right? Thurgood Marshall or whatever. That guy's 140 years old. When is he going to die? Yeah, exactly. Like somebody push him down the style already. Jesus. Oh, God. I mean, Dave, some of those shots when you would see Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Dave. Oh, my God. She looked so incredibly frail, but apparently, Dave, mind really sharp. Well, yeah, but but Tony, I mean, how are we really being served at that point? You know, Dave. In my opinion, as far as some of these things, I would not put an age restriction on it. Like I said, because if somebody's is you know physically up to the job and mentally up to the job, I don't want to say. No, at this age, you can't do it. But I would say, Dave, that, you know, if you're, you know, elected to the Supreme Court, how about a 12-year, you know, term? How about a 15-year? Why something like that? You know, just pick pick a number, Dave. I I think they should be there for, for a long time to where they know that just because you appointed me to this situation, I don't owe you anything, and there's nothing you can do to me, like just because Trump has appointed these last three judges, it's not like they're beholden to him in any way. I and disagree. No, I think I think they're beholden to him for life. They just got a gig for life. They can't be fired, basically. Yeah, but but it doesn't that mean they shouldn't be? They wouldn't be beholden to him. He can't fire them. They're yeah, not head of his agencies. Tony, if I just fucking bequeathed you, laid in your lap a job where you were not only rolling, but you had high prestige and you could never be fired and you had tenure for life, would you not be like giving me fucking serious Christmas presents and shit every year? Yeah, I I probably would, Dave, and I'd be very grateful to you, but I am in no way obligated to vote the way you want me to vote but you right? would definitely but you would definitely be thinking about that every time wouldn't you right. but there's no mechanism in place to say that you have to be no 
but there's nothing to safeguard against it either. There's nothing to do that. No, that's true. But like I said, it's like if you know the worst situation, Dave, is if you control my job, you control my future in that regard. No wonder some of these people don't want to stand up to Donald Trump, Dave. I mean, you have people that he hasn't appointed. He didn't even help to get a lot of those people elected. They, like you said, they, they, some of them have been there for, you know, 50 years or whatever, 30 years, right? But they're afraid of Donald Trump because he controls the Republican base. If you're a Republican yeah. politician now, Dave, and you don't go along with this latest, you know, um, this latest scheme coming from the administration and from the president, Oh, gee, I guess he could tweet about you later on. And the next time you come up for election, if Donald's been bashing you, even if he's been out of office for a couple of years, you might not get support from the base, Dave. Maybe you don't get support from the Republican National Committee. I mean, that's a real thing, Dave. That's not like if you're on the Supreme Court, you can't do anything about that. Oh, I guess he could like, you know, yap enough about it to get some crazy militia guy to shoot at your house. Maybe that would happen. God, you know, God only hopes that that doesn't. But these other politicians, Dave, and you and I both know, and any working person out there knows, Dave, that, you know, our job's pretty sacred. It's really, really necessary. And if we don't have it, our lives are turned upside down. And I think that's what a lot of these politicians are afraid of. They got a good gig. They want to keep it. You got to keep, you got to keep the boss happy. And if you don't, you're out. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just think lifetime appointment. There's That's just, that's not real world. Nowhere in the world does that happen except for that. So I think that's, it's wrong by default because you can have these ideologues, who are in sync. So maybe I don't owe you anything, but we're, you know, diehard new world order fascists and we'll both do anything to advance that cause, you know? So absolutely. You can run into problems like that where the motherfucker can't be voted out no matter, you know, how evil or whatever they turn out to be or how much of an agenda they happen to be uh, carrying out. Yeah, and, and that's, that's why – go ahead. That's part of the problem with this Amy Comey Barrett is she's got no experience, really. She's, she's straight out of being a law school professor and uh, a law professor. And um, so she's basically just an ideologue that was picked because it's believed she's going to vote along the lines that are desired. That she's a hardcore right-winger and – She's yep. going to vote uh, that the Republican Party line and very, right. very hard right. No doubt about it. Very predictable. Her votes will be very predictable. But Supreme Court justices, Dave, have surprised us. And even some of those cases lately, John Roberts, you know, the, the head of the, the chief justice of the Supreme Court, Dave, he's a conservative guy. That was, a, you know, a right wing appointee. And so sometimes it doesn't always go the way you think, but I, I, I get what you mean, Dave, but Dave, that's why those kind of things are important. You know, these elections are important because, you know, if you don't want this hardcore switch to the right and you want more, you know, left wing justices, you know, in the judicial system, then, you know, uh, democratic uh, politicians have to win more elections. How do they lose so fucking always? Like, I don't know. I think, well, don't even get me started. I think I think the Democratic Party has merged with the Republican Party. The Republican Party has gone further right and drug the, Repub the Democratic Party along with it. So that the Democratic Party is now like center, center right. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing, there's nothing on the left. <clears throat> and um you know it, proof is how bernie got screwed you know biden's in last place and all of a sudden he's the pick like what you know nobody was showing yeah. up to biden rallies and bernie was filling stadiums 
You know? Well, Joe Biden's not exactly a firebrand, Dave. And I now right now, the I am pro Biden because he beat Donald Trump by default. And, right. Yeah. Well, not but, but well because he he got it done, Dave. But and I think most evils bullshit though again. You know, yeah. nobody, nobody wanted him, but they're like, oh, it's fucking better than Trump, though. Yeah, that's the truth. I've never heard that's anybody be like, oh, yeah, he was my first choice. You don't hear that. Joe Biden's not a guy that really stands out, Dave. You know, I, I mean, he's been in, in politics. Another one of those guys that you're talking about that's been there a million years. I mean, I... I guess I would, you know, need to do a lot more research and find out exactly what's made him a good politician. What's made him a guy that's served the people well. Not really sure about that, Dave. You know, I got to tell you, I, you know, I mean, some of the legislation that I, I heard that he's been a part of is not all that great. But. Again, he at least, you know, knocked off um, Donald Trump. And hopefully here on January the 20th, Dave, uh, we can uh, talk about Donald Trump in past tense. And that will be a very good day. Have you ever heard the, uh, the quote by Biden when he was saying he tried to prostitute himself to big donors when, when he was younger? Hmm. I have not. Okay, you got to check this out. This is hilarious. Senator, I'm sure that, that you would agree that, that your service in the Senate up to this point has, has not reflected any particular concern for the larger contributors. Well, the fortunate thing is I didn't have many larger contributors. And the only reason, see, I went to the big guys for the money. I was ready to prostitute myself in the, man, in the manner in which I talk about it. But what happened was they said, come back when you're 40, son. And so I had to go out. Brutal. That's Joe Biden admitting that he was willing to prostitute himself for large donors and people cheering. (laughs) Wow. So there he is talking about being willing to prostitute himself. Yeah, that doesn't that didn't sound good then. It certainly doesn't sound good in hindsight, does it? No, right. <laughs> and I was willing. I was willing to set out to the, sell out to the highest bidder. I was yeah. willing to whore myself. <laughs> right. Be a political whore. Oh my goodness! Thanks. Thanks, Joe. Yeah. So interesting. Apparently, he's racking his cabinet with uh, Wall Street, big pharma. Weapons manufacturers, pro-war people. Well, and that is going to be Tucker Carlson 2024. Yeah, it's almost a shoe-in, right? It's coming. Yeah, exactly. That's what everybody says is that it'll swing back harder to the right. Well, you and I have said it once. We've said it a thousand times, Dave, and I, I, I think... You were the one who brought it up first and that if the Democrats do not have a successful administration here, if, and the way I put it was, if the poor and working class people aren't doing significantly better, and if the economy, the overall economy has to do well, you have the big hole to dig out of now. And at some point, Dave, we've got to see this deficit start to come down so we can at least look into the future and say, a couple of years from now, if we stay on this current trajectory, the debt is going to start to come down. Because I think at last total, Dave, we're at uh, $30 trillion in debt now. I think the pile has grown to $30 trillion at some point, Dave. Yeah, it's People just mind People is not, are not going to accept our credit anymore, Dave. You know, just because the American government says this dollar bill is worth something, after a while, it just because they say it doesn't make it so. If China calls in the debt, we're screwed. <laughs> yeah. 
I guess we're going to have to make friends with them. I guess we're going to have to put up with some of the stuff that they do. Right. I think what are they, they doing now with Muslims, Dave? Right. Aren't they locking up uh, their, their Muslim community? There's a, a okay. major problem. I, for, I forgot what the name of with the, uh, the Uyghurs. With the name, huh, I'm sorry. The Uyghurs. I think. Right. Thank you, Dave. Apparently there uh, a lot of that, uh, you know, social justice doesn't apply there. Something that we should not be OK with here in America. But at some point, Dave, uh, aren't we going to be kind of subservient to them because of this debt? Well, and isn't it kind of hypocritical for us to point a finger about them not treating their native peoples so great? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you, you know, but especially if you look back in history, that shows. I was just thinking kind of, you know, about the larger picture that, you know, here we are about a week away from Thanksgiving. And, you know, I don't know, the United States really has no ground to stand on as far as how we treat our own people, how we treat foreign peoples. Yeah, there's there's a long running um, strain of hypocrisy in that. You know, and oh, I just uh, I just was watching a, an episode of Redacted tonight. And um, do you ever do you ever tune into that? I have not seen that in quite a while. I do like him, though. Yeah, Lee it's, Camp. it's been a while. Lee Camp. Thank you. It's been a while since I've seen one. And um, so he did a great monologue about. um the CIA's failing coups and about how their shit's coming back to haunt them. And, um, well, as a matter of fact, I just so happen to have a clip right here, buddy. The people of Bolivia voted overwhelmingly to return Evo Morales' MAS party to power one year after a U.S. applauded coup. And that U.S. applauded coup is the polite way of saying U.S. backs coup. The Moss <laughs> Party won over 52% of the vote, destroying the other candidates in what's called a democratic election. Unfortunately, here in the U.S., we don't really have the option to vote out the oligarchy, the pro-corporate shitheads. Instead, the only two parties that get any media attention and easy ballot access both represent the oligarchy. So the small country of Bolivia did something that is proven impossible in America. They voted out the assholes. And it wasn't (laughs) easy. Even to cure another election, they had to endlessly protest and demand to the the return of their democracy in the face of violent right-wing thugs. So congrats to the people of Bolivia. Moving on to this year's next U.S.-backed coup failure, we go to beautiful Venezuela. Most of you know Venezuela has been the victim of America's endless efforts to destroy them. Currently, we have economic sanctions on them that have killed at least 40,000, probably more like 100,000, who's counting over the past few years. But beyond that, there was the attempted invasion of Venezuela, which ended up looking like three stooges decided to become Blackwater mercenaries. Even American neoliberal media had to call out the ridiculous failed coup attempt in May of this year. The group of 60 armed men men didn't even get to the mainland before they were spotted by fishermen. They were stopped by fishermen and then captured by the Venezuelan military with eight of them killed in a shootout. The mission and the funding was signed off on by self-proclaimed President Juan Guaido, who Donald Trump and Nancy Pelosi both claim is the president of Venezuela, even though no one, I mean no one, has ever voted for him to be president of Venezuela. You know when it's time to, to, to really, to be really fucking scared is when the Democrats and Republicans all agree. And for our third example of CIA butt hurting, We go back to 2018 when Nicaragua defeated a right-wing U.S.-backed coup in which violent insurgents occupied universities, 
burnt down government buildings and pro-government activist homes, besieged police headquarters, and tortured and even killed Sandinistas. But it wasn't enough. Even with our Western media falsely claiming the violence was uh, only on the side of the government, luckily the people of Nicaragua saw through the violence and pushed back. And the U.S. supported coup never took hold. So that's the three recent historic moments of Latin American countries rejecting U.S.-backed takeovers. But I have a bonus good news item for you, and it just happened last week. Chile voted overwhelmingly in favor of rewriting the country's constitution to replace guiding principles imposed four decades ago under the military dictatorship of General Augusto Pinochet. The 1980 Constitution was based on the neoliberal beliefs of a group of Chilean conservatives who studied under American economist Milton Friedman. What the Guardian article, though, fails to mention, probably intentionally, is that the coup that put the military despot Pinochet in power was manufactured and facilitated by our very own CIA to force out socialist Salvador Allende. And although authorities claim Allende killed himself during the coup, I think he did it the same way Jeffrey Epstein did. So pretty good, huh? <laughs> so going, going all the way back to Pinochet. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So that was redacted tonight from November 6th, 2020 on YouTube. Episode 315. Yeah, our, our foreign policies, you know, we, we got a lot of stuff to answer for on that. Yeah, well, and you know what's crazy? So I did an episode about presidential pardoning the other day. And um, you know what's crazy is George Bush Sr. pardoned war criminals that were guilty of war crimes in Central and South America that then ended up popping up in the Trump administration as, as guess what, foreign envoys to Central and South America. Wow. And that is John Bolton and Elliot Abrams. They're both convicted war felons, war criminals. Convicted. They should be in jail. Foxes, foxes guarding the hen house. Yeah. So, yeah, man. But, you know, it's not even over. There's still, the, there's, apparently the Supreme Court could still step in and stop the counting. So we're in a crazy, weird, pre precarious time right here, you know? Well, it's, you know, again, David goes back to so many of these actual norms that we deal with. They're not exactly written in stone as to way, as to how they're, they're going to be handled as far as, you know, legally is concerned. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, you, what you've been hearing a lot lately, Dave, is, you know, a lot of this is on the quote unquote honor system. Okay, and like you're talking about these electors from these different states, and well, it's there's no actual law. There's nothing in say the Constitution that says they all have to get together from Georgia and say, yeah, these our votes, our delegation, our de these delegates go for Joe Biden because he won the election in Georgia. And when you get to that kind of thing, there, Dave, and and you wonder, will some of these people just throw this whole thing into absolute chaos and go, nope, we want Donald Trump. Well, the will of the people be damned. Right. Uh, it's funny, <clears throat> funny you bring that up because I was listening to Demo to um, KPFA and they were discussing the um, the history of, of the electors and the electoral college and this and that. And there is no law to force the electors to vote in line with the constituency. Right. So That's exactly it. Well put. So you can form uh, an alliance, a sycophantic alliance or allegiance or both <laughs> to, you, you know, Trump, your almighty, you know, Lord and savior and vote for him going against your entire constituency. And there's no law to correct that, to force a correction of that. Right. Just because that's the way it's always been done. And I think if you took any 
20 Americans, Dave, at random, I bet only one or two would even know that. Yeah. And then you know? I, only found out, I only found out about that, Dave, in the last couple of elections myself. Yeah. And I follow this stuff, right? right. Because it just never even occurred to me yeah. that that could happen. Well, because it's, you know, I think it was like, right. uh, one or two elections ago that I was hearing some stuff about that. And now, of course, during this election cycle, it's become front and center, right? Because we've got a president that's wholeheartedly challenging this election. And, you know, it's another one of those things, Dave, where what is it about Republicans? that they, they say they're you know all about the Constitution. They say they're all about democracy and how much they love America. But it, as long as it's not controlled in any way by Democrats, because once that happens, then you throw all the rules out the window because as far as some of them are concerned, it's life is just not good. America is just not good unless our leaders all have ours next to their name. Yeah. As if there's that big of a difference between most of the, you know, Congress and Senate people, you know. Yeah, I just, but again, Dave, I, I, they are too much alike in certain respects. But, you know, when I go back to that, I, I think I, I told you about this. I think we talked about it on one of the podcasts, you know, year or so ago uh, about that article about Mann and Orenstein, Dave. And these are the guys that have been, writing about Congress for 20-something years. And uh, they had an article, um, I think, all the way back to 2012 that was entitled, Let's Just Say It, The Republicans Are the Problem. Hmm. And it just goes into detail, Dave, that Republicans don't care about facts, Dave. They're just unmoved by science. You know, um, compromise is a dirty word. And they talk about um, the moving of the goalpost, Dave, what you were alluding to earlier, how the right gets further and further off to the right and then wants the Democrats to meet them in the middle. Only the middle's not the middle anymore. Right. Right. That's a the, the middle's not the fifth. And the Democrats have yep. been rolling over to do it. And they just keep moving over there. And the middle's not the 50 yard line anymore. We're down at the 20 now. So now the you know? Democratic Party doesn't represent the working class at all anymore. They've they've offered, even in this time, running against Donald Trump and during a pandemic, none of the candidates were offering anything. Nobody's offering Medicare for all, legal marijuana, nothing. They don't, they're not even throwing us a bone. It's vote for us or you're going to get that guy. Right. And that's that's a really sad thing, Dave. It's you know, everything's going to look better just because it's not Donald Trump to so many of us. But as you and I keep talking about, Dave, I, this is just going to get us a Republican ticket in twenty twenty four. And you know, I got to get going here in a in a few minutes, Dave. But I did want to uh, finish with this. Um, I was listening to Bill Maher watching his show on Friday night. And he was talking about the election and, you know, historical in the sense, Dave, that more people came out to vote than ever before. And that Joe Biden got more votes for president than anybody in our history, which is absolutely fantastic for in terms of participation in our democratic process. Unfortunately, you know who's number two on that list? <laughs> Yeah, Donald Trump. <laughs> and even though Biden's going to end up beating him by probably over 6 million votes, maybe even getting closer to seven, I think currently as it stands with still some votes coming in, he's you know ahead by five and a half million or something like that. Um, but Bill Maher was asking, Dave, about what is it about being a Democrat that seems to be so toxic to so many people. And he was really coming down, Dave, on the, on the side that it's not really about policy. It's that 
the Democrats look weak. They look like they're too much of the, uh, um, you know, the frailties, Dave, of, uh, you know, like we can't have uh, right wing speakers on campus. We've got to have our safe space. Right. Okay. And he was talking about it in those terms, you know, and I thought to myself, Dave, I only know this on a, you know, an anecdotal basis small sample size a handful of people that i know but when they and these folks that you guys you and i both know that are republicans you know not whacked out crazy people not super you know these guys are not going to join the clan or anything like that but they talk about some of these issues some of these culture war type of stuff and they look at it and go i can't vote for democrats that that want to do this and then Kyle Kalinske did, I caught his show, and he was talking about um, the Bill Maher show, and Kalinske was very critical of Maher making those statements. So I guess what I'm trying to pose to you, Dave, is what is it that even though given all the things that we've talked about, and the, all the things that have gone wrong with the Trump administration, all the racism and, and the lying, and, and just the fact, Dave, that everything's fallen apart the way he's handled the pandemic locking up kids in cages just go on and on one after the other and still 70 plus million people it'll probably be up to 73 when it's all said and done 73 million people voted for donald trump so what is it dave is it these culture things is it like these policies <laughs> Please riff know. on this. I think what is going on here? I think it's a number of things. I, I I can't put my finger on any one thing, but it is definitely scary that that many people drank the Kool Aid, the orange Kool Aid, and uh, hook, line, and sinker. I mean, I can't believe it. And, and it doesn't even matter what the facts are. It doesn't matter that the swamp's overflowing doesn't matter that he hasn't gotten us out of any of the wars or that he didn't build the border wall or that he's locking up and separating kids from their families and putting them in cages and that what is it 245 of them they can't find the families i i I, yeah i i heard a couple of different numbers but it's a lot a lot (laughs) and a federal judge told them Okay, so this isn't just opinion, folks. The federal judge has told them you cannot separate these people from their families. The ones that you have, you've got to reunite them. Yeah, That has come down from the judiciary. Okay, this is not just a bunch of left-wingers crying foul, uh, you know, at the Trump administration. And, you know, take this into context too, Dave, where the gasoline that Donald Trump has thrown on race relations, uh, always simmering at the edges, right, Dave? Mm-hmm. Always a flicker here at the edges with when it comes to race in the United States. And Donald Trump, I mean, far from just stoking the flames, Dave, I'm just saying, take, take that gas nozzle and just pump gasoline all over it because that's exactly what he's done. And yet, People that you and I know, Dave, that aren't lunatic fringe people, right? Still look at all of this and say, this is my guy. What is it? Yeah, well, those must have been the same type of personalities that would have been supporting Hitler. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Just, Just kind of want an authority figure. To, you know, somebody that's going to make it all all right. Well, you know what? No one person can make it all all right for you. Sorry. You know, daddy's not going to fix it for you. And I don't know about uh, either of their father issues, but that that might be something to look into on a psychological level is for these for these Trump sycophants. I wonder what their relationship with their father was like. Are they really craving an authority figure? Like, you know, I have this one female friend that's that's a total, you know, she's just she drank the Kool Aid long ago, and um, oh yes, yes, we've we've talked about that many times. <laughs> yeah, so 
I've never heard her talk about her father. So, mm. hmm. Talks Do about stressful. It. Sorry, go ahead. I, I think, Dave, too, uh, you know, stressful economic times, Dave, when you're worried about your future, um, I think that tends to make people want to seek um, easy solutions, Dave. You know, oh, yeah. don't like to hear it complicated. You know, let's go this way because he can just change it all right now. Um, I, you know, I would, I would say that has a lot to do with it. You know, because if you, if you certainly look back at some of the fascist takeovers, you know, and, and even far left takeovers, you want to say communism, but basically they totalitarian type dictator, dictatorship um, takeovers. They usually follow, Dave, really, really rough economic times. Right. You know? Right. And I'm sure you've seen the footage on the things that you've been watching, Dave, but our bread lines have now been replaced by rows and rows of lines of cars stretching miles in some places to get food. Yeah. Food insecurity. I mean, I mean if you're food insecure, Dave, you know, chances are you're pretty insecure about your job. You're pretty insecure about where you're going to live. Right. I mean, if you're that desperate just to put food on the table, paying the rent, you know, and, and having employment that I yeah. would just say that that goes hand in hand, that that's probably not a good situation for you either. Absolutely. Absolutely. And these, and all those people, are those 40% of Americans that can't afford a $400 emergency, right? Or they would have yeah. food on the table. Right. That there, there they are in their emergency and they don't have that 400 bucks. Mm. And that, yeah. That's how, brutal. how brutal is that? And, and that Dave goes back, you know, a lot longer than the pandemic, a lot longer than, um, Donald Trump goes back. So you can't lay all that on, can't lay all that on Donald Trump. No, it's been getting yeah. steadily worse since Reagan. Yeah, I mean, there's it's just a lot of people, Dave. No matter economy's good, stock market's good, um, unemployment is low, and you still can't make a four hundred dollar emergency. I mean, God, Dave, four hundred dollars for most people, Dave. That's like your food bill. Yeah, it's like that—that that shouldn't be a thing. And that's where, I, again, Dave, it's like we go through this um, this Biden administration, Dave. Especially if the Democrats are able to capture the Senate, if they, these runoff elections coming up on January the fifth in Georgia, if they go the way of the Democrats, and that would make Kamala Harris the um, deciding vote, and would basically give Democrats control of the Senate for the first time in several years, if the Democrats don't find a way to fix this, Dave, I'm sitting here right now, and you know how much I don't want to vote for a Republican, okay? I'm telling you here right now, I might not vote for the Republican, but I'm not voting for the Democrat. Yeah. Joe Biden's running again, and he can't fix some of these things, Dave. I'm going to have to just be completely honest with our viewers right now that the Democrats aren't going to deserve your vote. Joe Biden will not deserve your vote. I voted Green Party, Tony. Really? Yeah. For for a number of reasons, but Joe Biden did nothing to earn my vote. The Democratic Party has offered me nothing um, except for we're not Trump and the fact that I also knew that California was going to be a landslide to Biden. Right. Yeah, your knife saves California spots. So it's not like you're going to turn around and help Donald Trump out. So I was trying to help the Green Party get their numbers up so they'd look better next time around. Mm. But apparently... They I can did. understand it. But apparently the Green Party did uh, abysmally low. What was it? Howard Hawkins? Yeah. Was that the guy? Dave, I was just going to ask you, who is fronting the, the Green Party these days? Hawkins. I'm not, not real familiar, but, you know... Mm. 
I don't need to go any deeper with the Green Party than they're they're the ones that came up with the Green New Deal. So mm. big fan. And and that's one thing, you know, no matter who's in, is nobody was talking about climate change being the number one emergency facing humanity right now. Yeah. Well, during a pandemic pandemic and an economic collapse, Dave, the last thing people want to hear about is that. And it's it's a shame that that's the state we're in because that's that doesn't go away. I just read a headline, uh, 2021 famines of biblical proportions. Yikes. So, you know, you've got the convergence of all this shit happening at the same time, right? Mm hmm. You know, Dave, I, I, I did want to finish with this. I want to get back to that uh, what Kyle Kalinske was saying the other day when he was talking about the Democratic Party um, moving further to the right and some of the candidates that lost talking about how um, to fund the police was killing them, you know, stuff like that. Not, you know, kind of thinking that you know, silence is violence, but looting is not. Um, and Kalinsky was making reference to, Dave, that when these candidates, these Democratic candidates, run too close to the center, they lose. And when they actually do run much further to the left, much more progressive, Dave, they actually win. And he was citing some statistics through this. Give me your final take and we'll end, end it on this. Um, is that how it should be done? Because obviously Joe Biden didn't do that and he won. But the down ballot, folks, it seems that people really want them to be, David, more progressive. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I saw a um, thanks to the Jimmy Dore show. Shout out to Jimmy Dore for keeping it real and criticizing both sides and not taking, you know, a, you know, a party preference, but keeping it real. Um, <clears throat> he pointed out. Well, cause I, you know, the way I look at it, David, and, and I'm getting mixed messages here because it seems like for a lot of voters, Dave, that if you are too far to the left, it seems to scare a lot of people. We get back to that, oh my God, socialism is going to get us. We're going to end up like Venezuela. But if you look at some of those races, as Kalinsky was, and he's saying, no, actually, a lot of these voters, these Democratic voters, are not going to turn out for you if you don't run in a more progressive slant. And I'm just, you know, again, here, I, I'm, I'm, I just don't know what to make of this, Dave. Which is it? You know, because well, you want to win elections, but at the same time, you know, what are what are we doing, Dave, if we're not leaning to our progressive values? And I'm not an ideologue. I just want to get back to trickle-down economics doesn't work. We don't need to spend so much on the damn military. Bring some of bring a bunch of our troops home and, you know, rich people have to pay more in taxes, you know? Well, yeah, I agree with you on all those points. I guess I am a bit of an ideologue. I think we should have free college education and healthcare is a human right. Um, and I, I remember what my brain fart was. And thanks again for Jimmy Dore for giving a shout out about Fox News re reporting that 72% of Fox News viewers favored government-run healthcare. So my God. I forget what that the, shocks me. There were two different categories. So strongly favor and and mod, mildly favor or moderately favor. But those two numbers added up to 72 percent. So 70 wow. percent oh, 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 um, strongly favor and somewhat favor. So 72 percent of Fox viewers favor government run health care. So if that's Fox viewers, then. Yeah, exactly. The, the Democratic Party could go so far left and we would go with it. I mean, look at look at Bernie's platform. He was filling stadiums. Yeah. So very supportive. 
you know, really hoping he was going to win. Yep. And I think, and to close it down, I think, I think we need to move to more of a representational government so that, you know, Bernie would have a seat at the table. A little more proportional representation. Yeah, absolutely. And that, so even if, uh, you know, Bernie was to run or somebody like Bernie from the progressive side was to run against the centrist Democrats, Dave, which, uh, you know, would split the party. At least they would get representation, you know, in proportion to the number of votes they get instead of just you lose, you get nothing. Right. So Way even if we off. had more Republicans in the Senate or in the House, we would at least have more progressives, more true progressives there. Right. You know, and would obviously would just be obviously much more represent would represent who we really are as a country a lot more. You know. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Dave. Yes, sir. I thought you cut out there for a second, but anyway, Dave, that is going to wrap it up for me. I just want to say good night to you, and I will be talking to you soon. Thanks for tuning in, Tony. Look forward to our next conversation. Have a great night, buddy. Good night, everybody. Good night.